0: greenie with mike greenberg the podcast
1: back and better than ever Greeny presented by progressive insurance off the best sports sunday of the season the football the football everyone loved it except me it's monday let's do this here we go Only one place to start. All right, the one place to start will be with me trying to keep my cool as I bring Rex Ryan and Ryan Clark into the conversation here. Gentlemen, after we wrap up a terrific and spirited two hours on Get Up today, and I thank you both, as always, um, for uh, giving us a little extra time here on ESPN Radio. I I want to start with something I learned today. Because, for those of you who stayed up late last night and watched Giants Commanders, which was a monster game with enormous playoff implications, it was by far the most impactful game of the weekend as far as the playoff positioning. The game comes down in the final seconds to Giants up eight. Washington has the ball on the one yard line, and they get called for an illegal formation, illegal procedure. On a play where the receiver, Terry McLaurin, is called for not being as close to the line of scrimmage as you need be. We've all heard the expression, you got to cover up the tackle. Yep. You have to make sure the tackle is covered. But, RC, you were telling me, and we saw it on the tape, Terry McLaurin says he checked with the official.
2: Take everyone through what happens on every so, single play. So, So in every snap, the end of the line of scrimmage has to be covered up. And so Terry McLaurin was the number one receiver, and there was a receiver next to him in the slot position that was off of the football. So it's his job to make sure he's even with the line of scrimmage and with the tackle in order for it to, be a, uh, for it to not be a legal procedure. Right. He checks with the official. The official says, step up. He checks again. He gets a thumbs up. If you give me a thumbs up or if you tell me I'm okay, then that's all that matters. It's not about what anybody else thinks. It's not about where anybody else sees the line of scrimmage. It's legitimately the line judge's job to make that call, and that's who Terry McLaurin checks with. And so if you do that, if all those bases are covered, it actually doesn't matter where you're lined up because you talk to the person that makes the decision. Right. And on that play as well, and I know... Um, you can't tell people to swallow their whistle or not throw flags when they're warranted, but that had nothing to do with the play. And if he checked with you and he made the proper adjustments, that flag cannot be thrown. And so, for the Washington Commanders to get points taken off the board in that manner is really unexcusable. And to me, the NFL owes the Washington Commanders and Ron Rivera an apology. But those apology doesn't don't win games.
1: Yeah, no, it's not going to put them in the playoffs, and that loss may knock them out. Out. and Rex again just I want to make it clear for anyone who didn't stay up late and watch it if the official the official who gives him the thumbs up we watched it on our right. highlight then as soon as the ball is snapped drops a flag it's impossible to believe it's like a setup, it, it really <laughs> yeah. is and, and and Rex again this is stuff that goes on on every snap of every play you're the head coach I mean what do we say about no this?
3: absolutely it's it's atrocious and here's the thing RC you talked about the other receiver that was in the slot. He's clearly off the ball. Yes. Right. Way yes. past where McLaurin was. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the fact that, okay, get up. He actually makes the effort of getting closer to the line of scrimmage. He really didn't need to, but he does. And then he gives him the thumbs up. McLaurin clearly gives him the right. thumbs up. You're not going to throw that flag. This, this is the mechanics. This simple mechanics of every single play. And for you to have the... I mean, I don't know what it, you would call it. To throw the flag in that situation is absolutely atrocious. And then, look, people are going to talk about, well, how about the next one was clear pass interference? That's combative. I can yeah. see where that sometimes missed.
2: Quarterbacks out of the pocket, moving around, things like that. That's absolutely,
3: different. but. On this one, just from a mechanical standpoint right here, uh, illegal formation at the biggest time that we got robbed of seeing this team, uh, this game possibly... Being in the overtime. Yeah, again.
1: yeah. I mean, missed uh, pass interference calls happen all the time. That Absolutely. was a normal play. I think it was a bad miss, but it happens. The other thing feels different from that. And again, it's an eight-point game, so yep. maybe they don't get the two-point conversion. Maybe, it, But they we'll should have know. had the opportunity. Now I, I think, I think that
2: the bigger point to me is Terry McLaurin did everything that he was supposed to do. And what did Terry McLaurin do on that play other than stand still? Right. So it's not like that affected the play in any way, and you knew you knew as the official. He checked with me. That's inexcusable. You cannot throw that flag. It, it's
1: very rare that we have this kind of controversy about an illegal procedure penalty, but that's how the game goes a long way towards ending the game yesterday and maybe Washington's season. So I wanted to start with that because it's something I learned today. I did not. I've seen. Um, that interaction between a receiver yeah. and an official. You were telling me the defensive backs will do DB, the same dude, If thing. a
2: DB's impressed, he also checks with the line judge because he wants to make sure he's not across the line in his press formation. This is something that happens almost every single time. So yeah. play. the point is the official is telling you ahead of time. He's yes. giving you the yes. answer to the test before the ball is snapped. Now he absolutely is and, yes. I th- and to me that's what's so egregious about it and you can see Terry McLaurin when he moves up and he checks with him again he has his head turned because he's He already knows they've had the conversation. They've had the interaction that they've had the entire day about lining up the same exact way. It's a very, very
1: strange moment that happens last night. And again, it goes a long way towards deciding a game. And I thought since it happened so late last night, I wanted to begin there. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive is proud to support veterans and small businesses with their annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program, helping veterans move their lives forward since 2013. Learn more at keys to progress dot com. So, Rex, we have been talking about the Cowboys and the Eagles next Saturday for a long time. And so that's going to be the biggest game of the year. It's going to decide the division. It's going to decide who the best team in the NFC is. And a funny thing happened on the way to that. The Cowboys blew another double-digit fourth-quarter lead yesterday in Jacksonville. What do we say about the Cowboys? I
3: think the Cowboys are soft. And to me, that that's, that's how I look at it. You, you're built, supposedly, to close out games. They're up 17 points at some point. In this game, yep. and then let them come storming back—a team that you, quite honestly, you you totally dissed. You're like, well, just the next week we get to play Philly, and you, know? you can't afford to look look past anybody, especially Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a legitimate football team, and, and they're going to be a playoff team yep. next year, if not this year, then next year. Yep. And and so for you to treat it that way, you you just prove time and time again that you can't close out games. And Himbo gave us an incredible stat. This vaunted pass rush that we've been, uh, you know, raving about with this Dallas Cowboys. In the last two games, there's been 17 drop back passes. Dallas has one sack. One. One sack. And so to me, this isn't that kind of team. We thought, I thought that this team was built to, once they get a lead, boy, they're going to suffocate you and the game's over. Well, this defense isn't that defense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what we're learning, too, is defensively they're so star-dependent. And I didn't really think about it until Dan said it this morning that if Micah Parsons doesn't make impactful plays like we saw against Minnesota, if Trayvon Diggs doesn't get the football in his hands, which if you're any offensive team – Trayvon Diggs wouldn't have an opportunity to catch the football because why would you ever throw at him? Mm -hmm. Why would you ever put yourself in that position? And so now if you're watching Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars, there's absolutely no fear in facing this defense. I'm going to tell you this. When the Pittsburgh Steelers walked into a stadium to play against the Baltimore Ravens, we knew that Rex Ryan was there. You knew that Ed Reed was there, T. Sizzle. You knew that Ray Lewis was there. You were scared of those guys. We're sitting on the sideline, and we're saying, no, 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 Ben, don't go middle of the field. right?" Right. Or we're saying, no, 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 Ben, we need to roll you to your left because Adelius Thomas is coming here. Like You knew all of those things. Where do you have that fear, especially recently with the Dallas Cowboys giving up two leads of double digits in the second half? It's supposed to be Micah Parsons, isn't it? Yeah, I, 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 th- this is what I think. I, I think that Michael Parsons is obviously a stud and a superstar, but he's by himself. Like even Dexter Lawrence, D-Law, who can make some plays, he's not necessarily that every play fear factor. So they now know that Michael Parsons is the rush end. So now I know how to block him. I know whether to chip. I know when to roll away. Think about the play that we get on the sprint out. Trevor Lawrence drops back, and then he sprints out. They seal Dexter Lawrence. That goes away from Michael Parsons. Teams have now been able to pinpoint him, lock him down, and if you don't get some sort of other rushers, if you don't learn how to bring pressure and add extra defenders, he's not going to be that impactful player he was when you had the element of surprise.
1: Greeny and Rex and RC all in our studio, and of course it's a Jacksonville team that beats Dallas yesterday behind another terrific performance from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, The Jaguars will be here at MetLife Stadium Thursday night to play the Jets. The good news for the Jets is they get an extra time out in that game because they saved one and didn't oh use it at the goodness. end yesterday so they actually yeah, get a fourth time that cool. yeah that's a, it's a little known rule <laughs> yeah. that robert sala looked oh up look goodness. for those of you who didn't see get up this morning we had it might have been the biggest fight rc and i have ever had <laughs> <laughs> you just made me scared <laughs> i've known ryan a long time <laughs> and 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 look we just just we just saw something differently yesterday here's my take for those of you who didn't see it and obviously i'll have plenty of time to talk about it zach wilson is bad he scares me because yeah. he makes the easy things look hard he makes everything look hard. He does some things that are so spectacular yeah. that no. you're like, oh my God, he could be the greatest player of all time. But he doesn't do any of the easy things. I get it. I understand that he, was, he wasn't he was good enough yesterday for them to win that game easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I believe that the way they handled slash mishandled The use of timeouts at the end didn't give them any chance to tie or win the game at the end, and that is the part that left me the most upset.
2: I don't necessarily know Mm. if it's just about the timeouts, though, Greeny. Like, I understand... We look at it as kicking a 58 yarder and still having one timeout on first down is a misuse of those timeouts. But I don't believe the way that they executed on that drive allowed them to use the timeouts where they could have been beneficial. You know, you you take it after the sack or you take it after third and 19 and you're, you're, you're stopping the clock, but you're not stopping it with reason. You're not stopping it with purpose. You're stopping it so you get the timeouts out of your hand instead of understanding when to utilize them in an important moment. And because they mishandled play calling, because they mishandled play execution, you leave with that timeout because you don't know what's going to happen in the last 30 seconds or where they're going to be. And I think Rex can explain it better. Being a head coach who had to go through that time and time again, you're waiting for a specific moment. And Zach Wilson and the offense wasn't providing those moments.
3: Yeah, no, and, and, and it's true. I mean, normally you try to hold on to your timeouts Inside of a minute, mm-hmm. okay? That, that, that's a standard rule. However, they could have thrown that timeout after the after a sack. That was yeah. something I, I thought they probably should okay. have done right. because it's understood. As soon as you get a sack, you throw the timeout. However, the situation that, that, that they're in, they don't challenge the spot. Everybody's critical of the second and 10 play where do they have the first down, do they not? Solus sitting back saying, "I don't want the NFL to view this. I, they're gonna—they're marking oh, right. it as a first down. So right. he's rushing to the line to get a play in instead of calling timeout. So I understood it. It was kind of—it it just kind of snowballed yeah. on him in that situation. However, here's the thing that fascinates me: Had the Jets won the game, you, Greeny, mm-hmm. and any other Jet fan would be sitting back saying." This Zach Wilson made some of the dangdest throws did, in crunch time that we've ever seen. Yeah. The third and 19 is a ridiculous it pass. Is. He uses his athleticism and, and fires a bullet in there. And then, by the way, on fourth down, Same fourth thing. and 19, he got he has to throw it all the way across the field. To me, guys, he made some spectacular plays he in this. Yeah. I think we're good. We're, we're, well, he doesn't make the easy things. Okay, that's true. That comes. They said the same thing about Josh Allen. And, and they said the my, same thing mind about Rex, other, mind Rex,
2: Do you look at the spectacular that he can do and say we can coach up or we can get him to a point where he does some of the easy things better? RC,
3: I'm saying this guy has an unbelievable ceiling. Don't lose sight of it right mm, now. Wow. And the Jets won't. He's the second overall pick for a reason. Yes, the easy doesn't come easy to him right now. However... Through experience, I've seen it happen. Through experience, guys can get better at that. What they can't get better at is doing the spectacular what that kid did in those situations. I don't think we should be down on that quarterback the way people are. He threw for over 315 yards yesterday, and he made some unbelievable plays. He's got a connection with Garrett Wilson. Let's not give up on him just yet, Jet fans.
1: All right, I have a lot to say about that, as you might uh, know you expect disagree. me to when we will do it all morning. No, I don't thoroughly disagree. There's things in it that I agree with. Uh, overall it was a disheartening day to say the least guys you're the best thank you thank you thank, you thank you Rex and RC Zip Recruiter can fill any job you're hiring for this holiday season four out of five Zip Recruiter employers get a, a new quality candidate within the first day The Zip Recruiter employers find a quality candidate one day try it free at, at ziprecruiter.com/greeny that's ziprecruiter.com/g r e e n y my takes are coming up next on ESPN Radio
0: Greenie, the podcast.
1: Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash It is a beautiful day here uh, as we roll on on this Monday heading towards Christmas. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My five biggest takeaways from yesterday in the National Football League are 30 seconds away. After these 30 seconds for AutoZone, are you dealing with a dead battery? Head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not, or if you're just in need of a fresh charge. If you do need a replacement battery, they can help with that, too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99. They're the only place that you can find proven tough Duralast batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. All right, with the assembled members of the hashtag crew assembled around us, let's do the takes. Greenies Takes. All right. Yesterday was one of the great sports days that we've ever had and ever will have, which obviously started with the soccer, and I am going to spend a few minutes on that a little later. But here come my top five takeaways from Sunday in the NFL.
0: Number five.
1: The Cowboys threw their season away yesterday. That's one of the worst losses that you will ever see, and that is not in any way to diminish Jacksonville. The Jaguars are good. They're having a really good year. If you started the season six weeks ago, they'd be a legitimate threat to make a run in the AFC playoffs. They may wind up winning the division anyway. Trevor Lawrence is showing you why he's so good. All the rest of that. But Hembo, there are very few hard, fast rules in life. But one of them is when you are a team that has built your entire defense on rushing the passer, you don't blow 17-point leads in the fourth quarter. The two games the Cowboys have lost since Dak came back, they had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter at Lambeau. They had a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter yesterday. And all this talk and all this hype and all this buildup about the Cowboys home game this week against Philadelphia is now meaningless. It doesn't matter. It's almost a game the Eagles shouldn't play their starters so that the Cowboys don't get a look at them. It genuinely means that little. The Cowboys threw it away yesterday. They will now have to go the road less traveled. They're going to have to go to Tampa or whoever wins the godforsaken NFC South in the first round of the playoffs. And then they're going to wind up going to San Francisco and lose. And that's it. Cowboys blew it yesterday, and I blame the defense more than I blame Dak.
4: It's definitely more on the defense than Dak, and what this sets up now is if the Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to win three road playoff games in order to do it. It's something that only four teams have done in the last 30 years. I'm not betting on this team to
1: become the fan. Oh, hell no. Hell no. I mean, it's an inexcusable loss yesterday. Inexcusable. With everything in the world that's going on, and you're talking last week and everything else. And I'll say this. Look, Dak throws a terrible interception that begins uh, the snowball that rolled downhill on them yesterday, deep in his own territory. But the one thing I'm about to say about Dak is he stands up and takes the heat. I mean, he, he says the right thing every single time. I love that guy. He's, he is a very good player. He is, is proving himself not to be as great a player or a great player. He is a very good quarterback. He is most certainly good enough to win a championship with, I believe. Um, and I like the leadership but they just haven't gotten it done and, and yesterday was a loss that will ruin their season ultimately number four uh Tom Brady was awful yesterday is anyone willing to say that like are we allowed to say those words out loud they've got a 17point lead yesterday against Cincinnati and then Tom Brady personally turned the ball over on three consecutive drives in the third quarter that changed the game completely he throws a bad interception. Then he gets hit and fumbles. You've got to tuck that ball away. And then I don't know what he's doing handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette, but the ball is falling out of his hand before it gets to Fournette. I mean, it's just a mistake. It happens. But for a guy in Tom Brady who is just screaming at everyone every single week, I was waiting and watching this game yesterday. Is he going to yell at anybody, or are they going to yell at him? Like Hembo, are we allowed? Nuno, no. are we allowed to say Tom Brady was awful yesterday?
5: Yes, say it with your chest, too. Tom Brady was horrendous yesterday.
1: I mean, that that, that that was the kind of day that really, like, he never has. And look, Brady's the greatest of all time. Nothing changes that. I just, I find it interesting how everyone tap dances around, well, and then there was this, and then there was this, and then. No, Brady's had a bad year. He's been bad. He hasn't been all in. The way he's yelled at everybody has been off-putting. And yesterday, he was the reason they lost. And he wasn't the only reason they lost. But I think he was certainly part of, if not the biggest reason, they lost Hembo.
4: I agree. What is the rule? Like, you're allowed on the PGA Tour still, even if you're, like, a senior, if you've won a certain number of events. Or... Well, there
1: are, there are. what I think you're thinking of is that if you win the Masters, you're invited to come back and play the Masters every year for the rest of your life. You right. can be 70-something and playing in the Masters.
4: That's what it feels like watching Tom Brady play football still. It looks like he should be on the senior tour at this point, and he's playing like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's had a bad year. In, in, in every way. And that team has a million problems. And he isn't anywhere near the biggest of them. Don't get me wrong. They got 99 problems, but he is one.
4: The offense has scored 24 touchdowns the whole season in 14 games. That's the exact same number of touchdowns as New England has scored with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling plays for them. Yeah,
1: that, that's, oof, that's another one. And it actually sets me up perfectly in my top five takes. Number three. The Patriots are a badly coached team. I can't believe I'm saying that. Because I, Bill Belichick has earned... The benefit of the doubt. First, last, forever, always. Like, you can't question him. But what they have done this season is ridiculous. And for them to lose a game that may very well cost them the playoffs yesterday on that play, I assume everyone knows what I mean by that play. I'll give you a very quick description of it in case you don't know what I mean. The Raiders scored a touchdown that tied the game against the Patriots at the very end of regulation yesterday. New England, from their own side of the fifty is just playing for overtime. They hand the ball off to Ramondre Stevenson, and time runs out. And all he's going to do is he's going to (laughs) run, he's going to get tackled, and they're going to go to overtime. The game is tied. Then, for reasons known only to him, before he gets tackled, he pitches the ball to Jacoby Myers. That's a bad mistake. Myers compounds it by making one of the worst plays I've ever seen in an NFL game. He turns around and just freaking flings it back in the vague direction of the quarterback, Mac Jones. To be clear, Mac Jones can't throw a pass. They're long since over the line of scrimmage. And Mac Jones may be the worst runner of the football of any quarterback in the entire NFL. So why he's doing that, it's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. And if anyone else was the head coach, if Nathaniel Hackett's team did that, we would fire Nathaniel Hackett on the sideline. And this is the part of a season where they have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge coaching up the offense. Mac Jones has regressed hideously. The Patriots are just a badly coached National Football League team with Bill Belichick as their head coach. It's unimaginable that this has happened.
4: I don't disagree with a word that you just said, but are we really going to put that series of mistakes on the coaching staff? Because, like, I'm sitting there watching this with my wife, and when Stevenson, when Ramonde, uh, Stevenson pitches
1: to Meyer, she says, what is he doing? Like right. She knows that, I know that, everyone knows but that. But why don't the players know that? And I guess my point is, if your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, your players don't do that. Bill Belichick's teams don't do that. Historically, So, I mean, it's, it's an excusable loss, and it may very well wind up costing them the playoffs. All right, my five takes from yesterday. Number two. A Justin Fields' run that wasn't a touchdown was the best play of the NFL season. Every week he does something I can't believe. Rex calls him the future, and he is that. Justin Fields is unbelievable. And to watch Zach Wilson play yesterday... And consider that the Jets drafted him number two, and Justin Fields was drafted where he was drafted in that same draft. And oh, by the way, a quarterback went in between them. Well, net, well we may someday know about Trey Lance. We certainly don't know now. But when you look at, at, at just how bad Zach Wilson is, and how good Justin Fields is, that that's going to wind up being one of the worst picks ever. That That's going to be... Like Sam Bowie getting drafted ahead of Michael Jordan. That's what that's going to be, because Justin Fields is the truth. We got to watch all those quarterbacks from
4: that draft class play yesterday, and most of them are playing in that early window. You're watching Trevor Lawrence rip it up. You're watching Justin Fields do, like, literally incredible things. Things we've never seen a quarterback do. And, obviously, it's got to be very difficult for you as a Jets fan to see what Zach Wilson is doing on the other side. Oh, you
1: hold your breath. I mean, every time he does anything, you hold your breath. And and so then we'll get to that at the end. Number one. Look, if, if you watch, you can lose the music on this, guys. If you watch Get Up this morning or if you look at Get Up's Twitter, they posted it immediately and it's getting a lot of response. I made very clear my feelings. Zach Wilson is bad. Zach Wilson looks like a player who doesn't know how to play the position of quarterback. He is exactly what we all feared he was. He is a ridiculously talented player. He has ridiculous arm talent, which is an awful expression, but it just is what it is. He also has very good feet, which is to say he moves very well. He has terrible feet when it comes to throwing the ball, which is infinitely more important. So Zach Wilson did so many things yesterday that are awful. I actually switched over to watch the Jets play. A post-game show on uh, SNY in New York for those around the country that's I think most cities have that where they have like a place where they go do a local post-game show and our friend Bart Scott is part of it and Bart said it exactly right Zach Wilson makes the easy stuff hard and the hard stuff easy and you will never win consistently in the NFL doing that so if Zach Wilson doesn't get markedly better at playing quarterback then he's a bust I'm not disputing that for a minute But I will not accept anyone telling me he is the reason they didn't win that game at the end yesterday. Because he did give them the lead late in the fourth quarter. The defense, which has been valiant, and I will not criticize them for a second, but for whatever it's worth, the defense did give up that lead. And the Jets got the ball with a minute 49 left and three timeouts. They wound up trying a 58-yard field goal. With one second left on first down and one timeout remaining. That was an absolutely embarrassing and awful display of clock management at the end. And I do not want to hear that it's about the kid because those decisions are made on the sideline. The play calling was awful, the decisions were awful, the quarterback was largely awful. But the use of timeouts, or lack thereof, cost them a chance. The Jets lost yesterday because they ran out of time. That's how that game ends yesterday. It doesn't end with a mistake. It doesn't end with a turnover. It doesn't end with a fumble. It doesn't end with a great defensive play or a great defensive stand. It ends because they ran out of time. And when you have the ball with a minute 49 left and three timeouts, running out of time shouldn't even be on the table. No chance that should happen. So I will not listen to anyone telling me the quarterback is the reason they lost that game yesterday. He was not great. In stretches, he was horrendous. But he did enough things to have them in a position at the end that they could have won. And they didn't because they didn't get the chance. Because they ran out of time. And that to me is exclusively on the coach. Now, the way the day broke for them, New England losing in ridiculous fashion and and Miami losing the night before, in theory, the Jets could still make the playoffs. But it is now extremely unlikely they're on a three-game losing streak. They had chances to win all three of those games. They will be, I haven't seen the line yet, but I'm assuming they're an underdog now at home against Jacksonville on Thursday night. They turn around and play immediately Thursday night. They will probably miss the playoffs. And in my opinion, that game yesterday is decided more than anything by the way the clock was mismanaged at the end. Now, I received pushback slash disagreement from both Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Clark on Get Up this morning, which did not in any way make me question my opinion, but it did infuriate me. Hembo, what is your take on the way the Jets lost yesterday?
4: I don't disagree with anything that you said there, I think in the last two minutes, it's very clear and obvious. And Robert Sala sort of admitted as much after the game. They badly mismanaged the clock and their timeouts, for sure. There's no reason to leave one on the board. But for the first 58 minutes of that game, Zach Wilson did not play well either. We don't need to produce a monocausal explanation for why the Jets lost. They lost in part because their coach mangled the last two minutes, and in part because Zach Wilson just missed way too many throws throughout the game. But you're absolutely right. Had, they, had he not done that in the last two minutes, what you're looking at presumably, is a shorter kick with more time. And just like what, a week or two ago when Jeff Saturday ran out of time with, with that, the, that Colts uh, game in, in primetime, this was sort of a similar situation. It's a
1: young head coach who got it wrong. And of, of that, I obviously agree Well What you're you. looking at, it's not that complicated. They should have had at least two more plays. And who knows what happens? I don't know. Maybe Zach throws a pick six. The way he was playing, he certainly might have. But they should have had two more plays. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Nuno, quick take.
5: Yeah. The thing that stood out for me was we've killed Zach Wilson for not being accountable for his play, right, Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And yesterday, that's what you got from the head coach. There was no accountability from him based upon him screwing that up. Because, yes, like, Zach Wilson completely missed Braxton Berrios down the middle of the field, and so forth. But you didn't give your team a chance to actually get in a better spot than a fifty-year-old, fifty-eight-year, fifty-eight-yard field goal attempt at the end of that game. Yep, that
1: was awful. All right. So that's what I think we will have more of the takes from the hashtag crew as we continue. And yet somehow we've come all this way and we haven't even gotten to the biggest and best game of the entire day. We will next after this word from ZipRecruiter. As the holidays approach, a lot of businesses are hiring for festive jobs like turkey catcher and reindeer wrangler. Those are actual jobs on ZipRecruiter. And if ZipRecruiter can fill those roles, what roles can't they fill? ZipRecruiter uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within one day. So see for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. At ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.
0: Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: Greeny with you here uh, on ESPN Radio. program today is brought to you by Peacock. Presenting the new original limited series, The Best Man, The Final Chapters. From the creator of The Best Man and The Best Man Holiday, an executive producer of Insecure, Coming this week, stream the best man, the final chapters only on Peacock. Hembo is here. Nuno is here. And it's Nuno who, in particular, I want to spend a moment with on this subject, although Hembo had some interesting insight into it as well. Hembo had this really awfully misguided World Cup party yesterday. If you were not with us at the end of the show last week, Hembo decided, and this was his decision, it was not his wife's decision, it was not anyone else's decision, that you invited over your in-laws to watch the final of the World Cup yesterday. So it's you, it's Lizzie, it's Michelle and the other one, your your twin girls, and it's your your wife's parents, your in-laws. And you decided, let's have a themed watch party where we serve the cuisine, the traditional cuisine of the two teams playing. So in this case, Argentina, which is steak and tomato and onion salad, and France, which could be anything, could also be steak, steak frites or roast chicken, or I mean there's a million different things that could be French cuisine. And that was just a misguided idea on your part. And I hope you felt shame as you ate that food and watched that game. I felt judged
4: though you were not there. And not to mention, when my father in law walked in, he complained that I wasn't wearing a collared shirt after we talked about that on the show too. So everything was not turning up my way.
1: No, you're your it's more the, the clothing is more important than the food that you serve at said party. And so that was just a terrible job by you. But here's what I want to say to Nuno. Because Nuno, for those of you who don't know, we all know people who genuinely know soccer. And then there are people like me. I appreciate and admire the sport. I appreciate and admire professional athletes and the greatest athletes in the world and everything they've done. And I admire, I I appreciate fully that this is the most popular sport and sporting event in the world and all of that. But it's never been my sport. It's not something that I grew up with. I don't live and die with it. It's not in my blood. But maybe because I was sick so much for the last three weeks, I've watched so many games. I've I've watched far more World Cup this year than any other year. Again, I think a lot of it is because I was homesick. But whatever. I really enjoyed it. I thought that the the soccer was extraordinarily exciting and compelling to watch. And I will tell you that yesterday's game, Argentina-France, and this is where I want to bring Nuno in for some legitimate insight... That is one of the most compelling 45 minutes of sports viewing I've ever had in my lifetime, and I didn't have any stake in the outcome. Like, I really didn't care who won. I watched the entire game. I watched it from the opening kick. And at one point, I, I texted Nuno, and I was like, this is so dominant. Like, even I can see how dominant it is. For anyone who didn't watch it, it was 2 nothing Argentina the whole day. It if it was a basketball game, it would have been a 40-point game. That's how one-sided the action felt. And then, boom, one mistake, and 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 France gets a penalty, and Mbappe makes it, and then, boom, one unbelievable play that Mbappe scores, and now it's tied, and they go to the overtime, and Argentina scores. And you're thinking, oh, my God, Messi has wanted, it, and then it goes back the other way, and there's a penalty. And it goes to the PKs, which I generally don't love, but... Even, I have to confess, they were very, very exciting to watch yesterday. And so I will tell you, Nuno, that without having a horse in the race and without it being my sport, I was as, as completely into, call it the last hour of that match real time or whatever it was, as any sporting event that I can remember in recent memory. Was that game as good as I think it was?
5: It ended up surpassing what people were hoping, right? Because, yes, for the longest time, it just felt that France was completely out of it, that they could have played for another 90 minutes. They were never going to score. And then, boom, that one mistake. And then, it, you know, they score again quickly. and Mbappe scores again quickly and shows you why he is the best, you know, outside of Messi. He is the best best player in the world at this point in time and the the one that everyone just assumes will, uh, you know, just head head and shoulders above everyone else. And then, you know, then the intensity and then all of a sudden, you know, Argentina scores that, you know, that goal in the extra time. And not only that, then they get the penalty, France, and then with... At towards the dying end, France has a clear opportunity oh, to yeah. score. Oh yep. uh, And uh, Emil Martinez makes a a great save to you know to keep them in there. And then the going to uh, penalties. It just it lived. I was trying to think of when the last time a championship game lived up to the hype. And I'm probably going back to that Villanova Carolina game mm-hmm. that that lived up to that type of hype.
1: Yeah, I mean you know if I think back over the best games. We should actually do that this week. Like the, the best sporting events of this year and individual games. I don't just mean the World Cup in its entirety, but this actual game. I'm trying to think of the most compelling. What were the best games of the year? We, we could try and start putting together a list of those because this, this, I mean, in terms of its actual impact, it's overwhelmingly number one. But was it actually the best game of the year? I'll tell you a game that I will think of in this. Because, again, the the stakes of these things Im- impact so much of the way you look at it. Duke and Carolina playing in the Final Four, and that turning out to be an unbelievable game, and Carolina beating Shashevsky in his last game, Th- that's going to be in the discussion. We've got to think through what some of the other bills, chiefs would be. Oh, Bill's Chiefs. That was this calendar year. Yeah, that's a good one. Bill's Chiefs, the comeback from Mahomes at the end. Let's, let's do that this week. Uh, Nuno and Hembo and everybody Let, let's set aside some time and we will do that this week but this th- th- that was as exciting a sporting event as I have watched in a really long time um, which is not at all what I expected to say all right, we continue on ESPN radio
0: thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on ESPN radio